Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. You're listening to the Renegade Blitz, the best podcast for Steelers fans by Steelers fans. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, at rblitzpod, and at blitzvideos. Read articles on renegadeblitz.com, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. And welcome back to the Renegade Blitz podcast. I'm Ty Polk with Chris Ward and Brandon Walker. Glad to be with you to cover Steelers versus Vikings. Thursday night football from Minneapolis, and we're glad to have on Will, but we're glad to have on Will Raggett, who covers the Vikings for Sports Illustrated. Will, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited for uh, this game tomorrow night. Uh, absolutely. And, well, first we got to start off with the big story. The Steelers tied the Lions. It was, at that point, probably their closest chance to getting their first win of the season. And they just got it last weekend, coming off a last-second victory against the Vikings on Sunday. It was a, a throw from Jared Goff to Ahmad St. Brown. Ended their uh, long losing streak. And we know that Minnesota is and still is dealing with injuries. But can you tell us what happened, just in a, in a brief like few words, what happened against Detroit? Yeah, it was a really, really bad loss uh, for the Vikings that has kind of sent this whole fan base into a panic. And Mike Zimmer's seat is very hot right now. Um, just a, a complete disaster, really. They they uh, they got out to an early lead, but they couldn't convert on some red zone opportunities. So they were up 6 nothing after a couple of field goals. And then things just kind of fell apart in the second quarter, and they were down 20-6 to at the half. Um, they just weren't playing good defense and – Uh, went for it on on fourth down and missed it once, which gave the Lions another opportunity. And then, unsurprisingly, the Vikings battled back in it because every Vikings game this year, it seems like, has come down to the very last play. And uh, 11 of their 12 games have been decided by one score. So you were expecting it. But they took a late lead and then just a really bizarre final drive where Jared Goff had to go 75 yards uh, in less than two minutes with no timeouts. And the Vikings decided to play prevent defense and not really pressure him at all and just kind of let him chip away down the field. And then I, if you, I'm sure everybody's seen that final play and their cornerbacks are like playing halfway deep in the end zone when you just can't give up the goal line and an easy touchdown pass and, and they lost. And yeah, just not a great look for Zimmer's defense, but the entire group as a whole, a lot of injuries, like you mentioned, but It's not an excuse to lose to the winless Lions. And, Will, the NFL has been so crazy this year with the amount of parity, and you really never know what's going to happen week to week as the Steelers, uh, as Ty mentioned, were unable to beat the Lions uh, this year as they tied them. And, and with, with the Vikings uh, loss on Sunday, you mentioned how the, the fan base is, you know, obviously upset right now. So is that really what the overall feeling? I, I, you mentioned a lot of close games, a lot of losses that were close. Uh, what, what's the fan base? Uh, how do they feel about this Vikings team right now? Well, I think there's just a general kind of frustration with <clears throat> the what ifs of this season. I mean, the Vikings are five and seven right now, but you look at some of the advanced stats and, and, They should be better than than they are. I mean, 
Early on, they started the season with an overtime loss to the Bengals that they could have easily won. Dalvin Cook fumbled in that game. Then against the Cardinals, who currently are 10-2, and two, have the best record in the league, they were a 38-yard Greg Joseph field goal away from winning that game. Uh, so it's a, it's a team that plays up and down to their competition. They can they could looks like they could beat anybody on a given week. They beat the Packers, who are nine and three, uh, but they could also lose to anybody on a given week. I mean, they just lost to the Lions and they lost to the Cooper Rush Cowboys earlier this year when Dak Prescott was out. So I think I think fans are just frustrated with this kind of inability to win games they should when you see them playing so well against good teams and you kind of see the potential that's there on both sides of the ball. But I mean, we're coming up on this is the fourth year of the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota, and it's looking like uh, only one of those seasons is going to end with a playoff berth, assuming this one doesn't. So uh, it's getting close to time where there might be some major changes to the to the leadership structure here. All right. Speaking of the Cousins, he's, he has had an impressive year with the 23, 25 to three uh, interception. I mean, touchdown interception ratio. And he has 100. 0.63 passer rating, which would be second best of his career. How do you think he's doing, and do you think he has a future in Minnesota beyond this year? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic because you just you just gave some of the numbers. The numbers are really good. You look at any of his statistics, and you think, okay, this guy's a top five quarterback, top ten at least. Uh, I mean, he's number two graded quarterback in the league by PFF. Things like that, like. And then you look at the record and they're five and seven and it doesn't really add up. And some of the issues uh, this year with kind of the stats and the record not adding up is earlier in the season. I thought there were a lot of times where Cousins was too conservative and he was just kind of checking it down, uh, not giving Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen chances to make plays. So the the numbers look good in that regard sometimes, but I thought he was being a little too conservative. He's been better of late, but yeah, it's just it's bizarre how how great his numbers are and how it just has not led to winning. And that's not just this year for Cousins. I mean, he has one of the, I think it's like a top 10, top 15 passer rating of all time. And he's the only one on that entire top 15 list with a losing record in his career. Most of the other guys are 40, 50 games above 500 or, or more than that in like Tom Brady's and of the world. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a conundrum and, Cousins is is a very talented quarterback. He can make all the throws. Obviously, I mean, Justin Jefferson's having a great, great start to his career in large part because of Cousins. But his cap hit goes up to $45 million next year. It's like 31 right now. And that is a big number. So if they start to make changes to, to maybe firing Zimmer, maybe firing GM Rick Spielman, then I think you got to think about trying to find a team that'll trade for Cousins because I'm sure there's a team out there that, especially if the Vikings are willing to take on a little bit of his 35 million salary, that would talk themselves into him being a big upgrade. I don't whether it's the Broncos or I don't know. There's, there's, I think there's going to be a lot of QB shuffling this offseason potentially. So we'll see. Uh, and even these last five games of the season could could go a long way in determining what happens next year for the Vikings. Yeah, and you mentioned Justin Jefferson, who has really allowed Vikings fans to not really feel mad at the fact they had to trade away Stephon Diggs. He's the best, one of the best. I think he's honestly in my top five. He's recorded 78 receptions for 1,209 yards and seven touchdowns, averaging 15.5 yards per reception. And Pro Football Focus has, has him at, with this. No receivers has 
60 or he's had 68 receptions of 15 plus yards since 2020 rather and no other receiver has 56 and and Jefferson's the possible assignment for Jefferson is Joe Hayden who's coming off an injury but also the Vikings receivers corpse with Adam Thielen he's hurt and he will not play in this game so how will the Vikings attack this kind of uh, hit or miss Steelers secondary? Yeah, and I want to say I saw. I don't. I don't think Hayden's playing tomorrow. I could be wrong. Yeah, but I want uh, Hayden. Hayden's out. Yeah, yeah. he's out. Before so it's so it's yeah. Sutton and Witherspoon, I believe. Yeah, Sutton and Witherspoon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Pierre if they feel like playing him. Okay. Yeah. So the Vikings are without Thielen. So their number two is going to be KJ Osborne, which we'll see. I mean. I think defenses should just start double teaming Jefferson every play basically until that doesn't work for whatever reason, because the lions didn't really do it last week. And he torched Amani Oruarie for 182 receiving yards. Jefferson is just on a different level right now. I mean, he has, he's averaging 144 yards per game over his last four. He's got the most receiving yards over a four game stretch in Vikings history, which includes names like Randy Moss and Chris Carter. So that's a pretty big accomplishment. And yeah, I, you said this. He's. You think he's top five? I think he's got a really good argument to be top three right now. When you just look at the numbers he's putting up and and the way he's doing it with his route running and his contested catch ability, he's been everything the Vikings could have ever uh, imagined. They were they were getting in a first round receiver last year to replace Diggs, and he's just he's been fun to watch. He's he's the main silver lining of what was a disappointing seven and nine year last year, and and another disappointing season so far this year. And like Jefferson, the Vikings have a premier player at running back with Dalvin Cook, but he's questionable for tomorrow night with a shoulder injury. Um, do you think he'll be able to go tomorrow? And if not, how do you think Alexander Madison will do against the Steelers' uh, run defense? Yeah, I, I'm i skeptical about Cook playing. Um, he tore his, his labrum in his shoulder, dislocated his shoulder against the 49ers just two weeks ago, so like 10 days ago at this point. Um, wasn't able to play this past week. I guess I've heard it's just like a pain management issue for Cook. They don't think there's much re-injury risk. Uh, and he's a tough guy. He's, it's a, basically a must-win game for the Vikings playoff hopes. Uh, so maybe he guts it out and plays. But uh, it, I, I think it would probably be smart to hold him out again just with the short week and, and then give him another 10, 11 days. They, the Vikings next play uh, on Monday Night Football against the Bears uh, in week 14. So – or week 15 at this point, I think. Yeah. Um, so, but Madison has proven to be a really capable replacement. I mean, in, in three starts this year, he's gone well over a hundred yards from scrimmage in every game. He's a really powerful runner. He doesn't have the same like elite vision that cook has. I, I think that's what makes cook so great is his vision and, and his kind of decisiveness. We see Madison hit, miss some holes occasionally, but super physical runner, uh, a great athlete can catch the ball out of the backfield. So I don't know a ton about the Steelers' run defense, but the, the numbers indicate it hasn't been great. So I, I would I would anticipate another uh, solid game for Madison. All right. The Vikings will be without – he's a rookie, right? Christian Durasol, he's a he – yeah. Okay, I thought he was the second round, but he is a rookie. Christian Durasol for your left – at left tackle. And how do you think Brian McNeil will match up with T.J. Watt because he had three sacks against the Ravens. How do you think the offensive line has performed this season? Do you think that's part of the reason why the team has underachieved a little bit this year? 
Yeah, the offensive line has been an issue in Minnesota for basically as long as I can remember. I think their last really good offensive line was in like 2009 or something. It's it's just all it's always been an issue. But their best player on the offensive line is the right tackle Brian O'Neill, which bodes well for a matchup with TJ Watt because I think Watt kind of almost exclusively plays on that side. So that'll be good. The the, the issue is the other side with with Derisaw, their first round pick this year. He's 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 missed the last couple games. Uh, he, he missed last week and he, he's out again this week. So they've been shuffling all kinds of things. Last week they moved their starting right guard Oli Udo out to left tackle for some reason, and it didn't work great. So it'll either be Udo or uh, their veteran backup Rashad Hill at left tackle. Either way, not a player who inspires much confidence. Uh, and, and the interior has also been a little shaky. Garrett Bradbury was their, their first-round pick in 2019 at center, and he just has not really put it together at all in his career in terms of being able to to anchor against big defensive tackles like Cameron Hayward. So, yeah, I – the Watt and Hayward, I think, are the two primary concerns by far uh, on the Steelers' defense. I mean, I think that would be true against anybody, but especially against the Vikings' kind of suspect offensive line. If, if they if they are dominating and wrecking this game and not giving Kirk Cousins time to find Jefferson downfield, it could be could be a long day. And, and Will, they, they struggled against the Lions. I think I saw they gave up like three sacks or something, and the Lions' pass rush isn't known to be, you know, like one of the best in the league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Lions' best pass rusher is like Charles Harris, if you even heard of him. I mean, you guys, you guys played him. But, yeah, Harris had two sacks. Uh, they had one where he just beat Udo and had a strip sack on Cousins. That was a big play in the first half. Another where the Vikings, for some reason, put a tight end on him and he got beat for a sack. So, yeah, it's it's been a bit of an issue this year. Um, interesting, I think this is the, these are the top two teams – in the NFL, just in terms of sack numbers this year, I think the Steelers lead the league and the Vikings are right behind. But the Vikings pass rush is without their top two defensive ends. Daniil Hunter uh, was lost for the season earlier this year and Everson Griffin um, is out as well. So we'll see. I, the Steelers, I think, have a, have a pretty significant advantage in terms of the pass rush in, in this game. Yeah, and that, that story about Everson Griffin is just absolutely scary. When, yeah. when you think about... When you think about that, there's a possibility that the Steelers may be dealing with uh, a very similar situation in Stephon Tuitt. And then you think back to, um, uh, was it Belcher from Kansas City? Just any time that you see like a mental health issue, it's just very, very, very scary. Yeah, it is. It was a really scary uh, morning and a whole day when, when the Griffin story came out. Um, but really glad that he was, he kind of, um, was able to get past it and, and get the help he needs. And he posted on Instagram uh, this past weekend talking about how he has bipolar disorder and uh, he's, he's done fighting it and he's not ashamed of it. And he, he really wants to get the help that he needs. So uh, it's a really great thing because he was the longest tenured player in this team. The Vikings drafted him all the way back in 2010, just a great, great person, great player. So really hoping for the best for him. I don't know if we'll see him again this season, but definitely a secondary concern to, to how he's doing as a person. And now let's talk about the, well, we, we mentioned about two that they're missing. Let's talk about the, the other, well, 14 or so Vikings that have been credited with at least half a sack so far this season, who has stepped up on the defensive line in the, in those absences and 
how do you think they'll match up against the Steelers offensive line that we, we mentioned the secondary was up and down at times. So is the offensive line. It's the definition of up and down. Yeah. The Vikings are, are, are thin at defensive end right now. As I mentioned, um, DJ Wanham, a, a fourth round pick last year who hasn't really shown much is going to get a lot of time. It's a good athlete, but he just, just hasn't been able to kind of win those one-on-one pass rushes consistently enough. Um, the, where they do have uh, both of their top players back right now is that defensive tackle where they've got Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce. They kind of use two nose tackles in the middle of their, their four, three to, to try to slow down the run, which will be important against Najee Harris. Um, Tomlinson is listed as the three technique, but he's basically just another nose tackle. But both of those guys do have a little bit more pass rushing juice than you might expect out of, out of your average nose tackle. Pierce had, uh, a two sack game against the Bengals to open the season. So um, those, those are two guys to watch uh, some other edge rushers. They've got Kenny Willekes was, was a seventh round pick last year. who has been kind of a pleasant surprise out of Michigan state. Um, they've, they've got a few other guys. Um, Sheldon Richardson is a defensive tackle who they've kind of moved to defensive end. He, he's a veteran uh, been around for a long time. And then, uh, really the best way that the Vikings get pressure is with blitzes. I mean, Mike Zimmer, um, a lot of fans don't love him as a head coach right now, but there's no denying that he is a really, really good defensive game planner and defensive schemer. Uh, his pressure packages, his blitzes uh, are always among the best in the league. And that's why the Vikings are always, always have a great third down defense. So they'll bring Harrison Smith on blitzes. They'll bring their linebackers. They'll have Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr kind of in the double a gap mug look that Zimmer uh, kind of invented. So um, that's going to be their best way to, to bring to get pressure on, on Roethlisberger is, is by blitzing him. And uh, if they're not blitzing, like we saw against the Lions last week, it, it's hard for them to get pressure with just four. And that linebacker, the Vikings will have their duo of Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr back. Uh, Kendricks has always been a really solid linebacker with the Vikings. Um, how, you know, obviously like not having them against Detroit was, was huge. Uh, how, like how noticeable was it in, in this game? Yeah, it was, it was super noticeable. I mean, they were playing Nick Vigil, who's kind of a journeyman veteran, was their top linebacker. And they had a couple just backup caliber guys in there as well. And, and you could tell, I mean, there were some missed tackles. There were some poor poor run fits, poor coverage uh, in, in short stuff. So Kendricks, I mean, is just a phenomenal player. I think he's the Vikings' best defensive player, um, at least especially with Denny Hunter out. Harrison Smith is great too. But Kendricks just, I think he's the best coverage linebacker in the NFL. And trying to be unbiased there, but... Um, I mean, some of the interceptions that he, he has this year, just he looks like a wide receiver. Like he's he can run with uh, with tight ends like Pat Fryermuth. He can he'll be a big asset against Najee Harris in the past game. So getting Kendricks back is, is absolutely massive. And, and Barr's good player as well. He's been around for a really long time, knows the defense, big, big guy. So he can he can be used in a lot of ways as a blitzer or uh, in run defense. So yeah, getting those two guys back, uh, is huge for, for this game and getting Patrick Peterson back as well. Uh, their top cornerback. All right. Speaking of Peterson, he is coming back, but how do you feel about the rest of the Minnesota secondary? Cause I saw a stat today and that said for what it's worth, I don't know how much of a PFF guy you are. They said their man to man skills have been shaky. Yeah, uh, yeah. PFF has not been super fond of the uh, the Vikings' corners this year, and I think I think that's fair for the most part. I've been impressed with Peterson. I mean, 
31 years old or, or 30, uh, 10th, 11th year in the, in the league. Um, obviously, he's not the player that he was um, when he was with the Cardinals and he was an insane athlete when he was younger. But, I mean, he's, he's a future Hall of Famer for a reason. Like, he's, he's extremely smart. His technique is great. And offense have just kind of mostly been avoiding throwing to him because the Vikings' other options are, are shaky. Bashad Breland uh, was an offseason pickup for them. He just he's been been really up and down and more down, more down than up this season. Um, Cameron Dantzler is a young second year player who's who's been up and down as well. So um, getting Peterson back is huge. He's their top guy. He's he's a captain, uh, just an important leader on that defense. Uh, and I imagine he, he, he's not shadowing anybody this year, but I mean he'll see a lot of Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool, whoever it may be. Um, it's kind of the other side of the field from Peterson. That's the bigger concern for the Vikings, whether it's Breland or Dantzler. All right. So I, I want to hear this. You mentioned the third down defense for the Vikings. That was one, that's one thing the Steelers kind of had a little bit of a trouble against the Ravens and some trouble over the course of this season. So I want to know what's your keys to the game and who do you think will have a big game for the Vikings? Yeah. I mean, I, I, we, we've kind of touched on all the, all the all the matchups here, but uh, the big key obviously is not letting T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward kind of just wreck things uh, on the offense, giving Cousins a little bit of time uh, to find Justin Jefferson, find K.J. Osborne down the field, um, and defensively just getting after Roethlisberger and, and forcing some some turnovers. I mean Roethlisberger. I was looking on PFF. He he leads the league in, in turnover-worthy plays is a stat they have. And just watching, like, last week's game against the Ravens, there were a bunch of balls uh, that were kind of tipped around and the Ravens weren't able to secure him. So the Vikings should have some opportunities uh, to, to get a, to get an interception or two. Uh, and they, they need to take advantage of those because I think it's going to be kind of tough for them to get pressure without blitzing. Um as far as who will have a big game, uh, I, I think Kendricks is always a player to watch. Eric Kendricks, uh, just with his versatility, and he's going to be fired up after missing that that Lions loss. And then it, it it's kind of too easy to say Justin Jefferson, but he is just red hot right now. I, I will say keep an eye out on, on KJ Osborne as well, filling in for Thielen as the number two receiver. Uh, he's been an, he's been impressive this year. He's taken a lot of strides from from his rookie year last year, uh, and just a solid receiver. So, uh, yeah, those, those would be a few guys to watch. And, and Will, do you have a, a prediction for the game? Yeah, I haven't like written my official prediction yet. Um, but I don't, it's hard for me to feel confident at all in the, in this Vikings team. I mean, obviously they're coming off a loss to the lions, but I, I just have a weird feeling. It would be very, very Vikings like to pull out a win in this game and kind of get their fans having some hope again, only to then have that come crashing down next Monday night in Chicago or sometime in the future. So I'll, I will, I don't, I do not feel confident in it whatsoever, but I'll pick the Vikings to win what I'm sure will be another dramatic close game, probably decided by a field goal or going overtime or something. All right. This last question, we already talked to you skimmed over a little bit earlier. Do you think Mike Zimmer is gone after the season? And also, do you who do you think should be the best replacement for my hat? They had um, Chat Sports. I don't know if you're familiar. They had Brian Dable from Buffalo. You think yeah, that'd that's be a an good opportunity? One. 
That's an interesting one. I, to answer your first question, I do think Zimmer is gone after this year. I mean, there's a possibility that they turn things around in these last five games and they sneak into the playoffs or whatever. I mean, they're only one game back of, of Washington and San Francisco in the six and seven seeds. So it's possible. But I kind of feel like they shouldn't base their decision on whether they do that or not. That was kind of what happened in 2019. There was some rumors about Zimmer's job security. Then they made the playoffs. They beat the Saints in the wild card round, and Zimmer stayed. Um, I kind of feel like you just have to move on. It just it just hasn't been working well enough. They've they've only got three playoff appearances in his first seven seasons, and and could be three and eight if if they don't turn things around this year. Uh, he's a good. He's a good defensive coordinator, uh, and he's been a good head coach, but they've had a lot of instability on offense. He's had game management issues with things like clock management and timeouts and and things like that. And then the defense just hasn't been good enough uh, in, in recent weeks. So, um, yeah, I think Zimmer is probably gone. And Brian Babel is, is a good potential replacement. Um, Byron Leftwich, the – the Buccaneers offensive coordinator. I think they need to go after an offensive guy, uh, which is usually what happens when you move on from a defensive head coach. But yeah, there's a lot of interesting ones out there. Kellen Moore of uh, the Cowboys. Um, I, I'm sure there are a bunch of other names I'm forgetting right now, but uh, those are a few, a few of the ones that would be at the top of the list. I think. Yeah. I found it. I found it telling about a guy's uh, job security when former Vikings coach, Mike Tice, had some words yep. about it. And I'm like, considering the way that Mike Tice left the Minnesota Vikings, if you remember the love boat, uh, yep. that's, that's not good job security by any stretch of me. Yeah. That was a pretty funny tweet when Tice said, yeah, even, even my sorry ass never lost to the Lions," <laughs> uh, which is man. true. He went eight and zero against him. Is, uh, I can't, I can't deny that. But <laughs> one, one per- player we want to focus on is Jordan Berry. Now, it's tough to be a punter in Heinz Field, especially with the wind going around there. So I think we've been hard on him with this podcast. We've had people on who follow the Steelers that have been hard with him. But uh, I've seen that he's been much more successful in U.S. Bank Stadium field. Uh, just just talk about his uh, performance so far this year. Yeah, I, I honestly forgot. I, I love a good uh, revenge game narrative. So – we got the Jordan Barry revenge game tomorrow. I'm expecting some some dimes inside the 10, um, although hopefully not too many for the Vikings. But, um, yeah, he's been good this year. I mean, I can't really say I've, like, noticed him that much, which I think is a good thing for your punter. He's not, like, out here making spectacular 65-yard punts or anything like that, but he's been reliable. I mean, he, he's got a good good net, good hang time. They, I don't, I can't think of any – big, big punt returns they've given up. So, yeah, I definitely think coming from an outdoor tough weather spot like that to playing half your games in, in the Vikings indoor stadium would, would help anybody. And, yeah, he's he's been solid. And that was Will Raggett. He covers the Vikings for Sports Illustrated. Will, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. A lot of fun. Still mad at myself over that. but And he said he didn't give an exact score prediction, but he did say – Vikings by a field goal. Now, he, again, I'm in the guts stage of the season where it's like I'm willing to pick against the Steelers. And I think that it kind of lines up to a uh, get-back game for the Vikings, you know, losing against the Lions. 
Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat. Mike Tice is out there saying, talking trash, 8-0 as a Vikings head coach against the Lions. And when you hit us with that stat, you can't really blame him for saying that. So, Chris, I, I say my prediction is going to be, uh, I'm going to say 27-21 Vikings at this point. But I am confident that the Steelers can pull this off. Uh, it's a tough game to pick because uh, you know the Vikings they they lost the Lions on that last play of the game and the Steelers I mean they really their backs were up against the wall there they needed that win against the Ravens uh, you know they they always go, uh, get up for games against the Ravens and it was at Heinz Field so like I could like you mentioned I could easily see them falling here but uh, I, I think I, I have the Steelers winning just because I think uh, I think the, uh, the they're they're gonna. Not having Thielen, Thielen out there is going to be – and Cook. I think uh, Cook might not play. Like, as Will said, he doesn't think he's going to – I think those two uh, players not playing is really going to hurt the Vikings. So, uh, I don't have the Steelers. I think Deontay Johnson is going to have another big game. Uh, I think T.J. Watt should do what, what he normally does. He's having an incredible – he might – he's going to – everybody thinks he, – well, he should break that sack record. Uh, he's he's on pace. Uh, he You know, he's he's hungry for it and everything. But uh, <clears throat> I have the Steelers went in um, – I'll say uh, twenty-four to seventeen. I, I think it'll be a close game. Like like Will mentioned, all the Vikings games are close. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Brandon's having a little bit of troubles right now, trying to get back into the uh, stream yard right now. But so I guess we'll also put it down there. If if the Steelers win, I do agree. I think Deontay Johnson has another big game for the Steelers. It's he's kind of firmly placed himself as the number one receiver for the Steelers and. While we're still kind of waiting up for Brandon right here, if there's one thing that I want to talk about real quick before we get him back in, uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna allow him to rejoin the stream if, if he gets the opportunity. I want to talk about James Washington, and and I've been seeing a lot of it, a lot of this with the Steelers fans. Uh, James Washington has kind of well lost the graces of most of the Steelers nation and. He was known as a fan favorite at the time, but, you know, with with how he's performed, uh, there was a little bit of a catch from CBS in which Ben was talking to Washington, and it didn't exactly seem like the most friendly conversation. It seemed like a come on, let's go type of conversation. Yeah, yeah I wasn't sure what that was about. I wasn't sure. I know the receivers coach, I, Hillier, was right there next to him. I didn't. I really didn't know what the, you know, the whole details was that, but I, I did see that. Yeah, it was a very right. it was a very weird conversation. Uh now that we have Brandon back in here, Brandon, uh so just to give you a little bit of an update, I said 27-21 Vikings, Chris said 24-17 Steelers. Okay. This is a dangerous game. <laughs> this is very dangerous. Because I got some, what he said, and I said in the, uh, the Ravens recap that people, he's fighting for his job. And when people are fighting for their jobs, it can go either way. The team will start pressing and make mistakes and be reckless, or they're going to come in and fight and avoid embarrassment. So I'm going to go. It's usually and plus it's usually hard for road teams on Thursday nights. 
for so for that reason I don't know. No, I'm gonna be honest. I they don't they don't have cook and feel feeling. I yeah, have a funny feeling that the Vikings are gonna t- pull this one out. I wouldn't be surprised either. <laughs> the, you know, the Steelers they did this win that be game. another close they game. Won. I could be wrong about this. So I'll I'm on to uh own it if we if the Steelers win. I'll pick the Vikings to win twenty three to twenty. It's going to be close, I think. I mean, all these games, you know, a lot of the Steelers games, you know, a lot of the Vikings, uh, they're just all go down to the wire. And, you know, the Steelers, they won that game against the Ravens. Uh, they played pretty well defensively, but they did give up a touchdown late there. And, you know, if Lamar Jackson puts that ball where it needs to be, you know, they, they end up losing that game. So, I mean, you know, they, they did – the Vikings did lose to the, to, the, to the Lions, but they were without some key players. I think three of their, three of their main starters were out. And plus – you're playing a physical game with the Ravens, and you're off. You're playing a short week. That's tough. Yeah, you don't yeah. realize that after the Steelers Ravens games, they don't. Sixty yeah. percent of the time, they don't go too well. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the week after, you have the schedule, you the schedule definitely didn't do them no favors. Scheduling a Thursday night game after uh, a Ravens game, but uh, man, they're, they're gonna have their hands full with Jefferson though. He's he's been doing a, a lot of great things there in Minnesota. But if the Steelers going to win this game, it's going to be Deontay Johnson. I think Deontay Johnson is going to have another big game. And you, you know who's going to burn? Breland. He's gonna, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, you that's know. What, I, yeah, that's what, yeah, the former Washington. We, you know what PFF, you know, they, they say their corners are not that very good in man coverage. And, you know, Pe- Peterson's. Still a good player, but he's he's older. He's up there in age. He's not as what he once was. So uh, maybe maybe that's with the Steelers' advantage there with Deontay Johnson and uh, hopefully maybe Claypool makes a big big play. I know he's he's been dealing with that toe injury. Yeah, the, I think the question with the Vikings is who's going to be who is Peterson going to primarily cover because he is the de facto number one corner in Minnesota. So you'd think he'd go on Johnson, but they might want to put size on size and put him against Claypool. So it's going to be interesting to see what Mike Zimmer does there. And as we mentioned, a strong, a strong defensive coordinator. We we remember him from the times in which he was the Bengals' defensive coordinator. That's how he got his job out there in Minnesota. So you expect to see the the, the Vikings' defense to come up big for this game again. Second in sacks second in sacks right behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think this is probably going to be another litmus test game for the offensive line. And uh, one one guy that I want to look out for is it looks like Banner is going to be playing. So I want to see how they can handle how they how he can handle that because that'll be his first full game as a right tackle in the NFL since week one against the Giants last year. So he's been out for about 15 months. Better part of it. So that that's one thing I wanted to say, but uh, John LeGlue did pretty good uh, against the Ravens. So I guess they're going to trust him in a short week and you never know. Maybe they find another guy. Maybe they find a guy that they can have as their, uh, their bargain guard out there. So it's going to be interesting to see that 
that entire situation. So that's the one group that I expect to step up for the Steelers in addition to Deontay Johnson, just to differentiate it from the rest of you guys. Yeah, Claypool. So how do you feel about the matchup between Brian O'Neill and uh, what? Do you think he's going to have – I wanted to mention this because I saw an article on – I think it was The Athletic or CBS Sports. Do you think T.J. Watt deserves MVP? Because I do. I'm not talking defensive play. I'm talking about MVP of the league. Uh, that's a that's a million dollar question, but that that's basically a de facto offensive award uh, every time. I I wonder when's the last time that there has been like a guy that was like finished at least third in MVP voting and was a defensive player. If if it was recent, it had to be Aaron Donald. You got who? Oh. Well, but who's the MVP candidate right now? Besides. Because what it has to be in consideration. Say the Steelers actually make the playoffs, and he break. Oh, he's breaking the sack record the way he's going. Obliterates the sack record. Say he winds up with twenty five. You got to give it to him, can't you? Yeah, I mean, well, the last defensive player of the year was Lawrence Taylor in like what eighty five or eighty six. Eighty six, yeah. So. Um, yeah, definitely. They love giving it to the quarterbacks, and that's where all the the betting odds right now have. You know, they, they all think it's going to be. A lot of people think Tom Brady actually. It was it was Lawrence Taylor who was the last defensive player to win the MVP in 1986, and it's only happened twice since the the award was introduced in 1957. And the other one was Alan Page. I don't know the year. <laughs> Alan Page, a Minnesota Viking. Yep. So uh, I guess the stars sort of align in that situation when you look at it that way. But I I think I'm trying to think, like, has there been a definitive quarterback out there that has staked claim to the MVP? It would be be Derrick Henry if he was still healthy and available for the Titans. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, Kyler Murray was – Kyler Murray was it, but he got hurt. And Colt McCoy went two for two and one. Sorry, two for three, two and one. And Jonathan Taylor's probably going to get the offensive. If he could get two, I think Taylor might get the offensive play or MVP if the Colts make it to the playoffs and he gets 2,000. He's going to get the rushing title. I know that. I mean, like, he might break the rushing record where he's going. That that's a name to watch out for, Taylor. But I, I they, the Steelers have to make the playoffs. Like I, I don't think they'll give him MVP if like he just if just they, they don't. I think he's a lock for defensive player of the year. This should be his first defensive player of the year award. Yeah, uh, I, I think so too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we said that. That's why I said MVP. Yeah, MVP. That that's a high criteria to reach. Plus. Who's a who's an MVP league MVP? Plus he's been hurt as well, so so you have to also look at it like that. Yeah, who, who's that the last who's the last MVP that didn't have their team make the playoffs? Only twice has the as the award gone to league MVP for a team for a player whose team did not make the playoffs. In 1967, it was the Baltimore Colts, Johnny Unitas, 
1973 with the Buffalo Bills that with O.J. Simpson. Oh, yes. And, and also, so I think another one might have been – it might have been J.J. Watt. Oh, wait, J.J. Yeah. Watt, MVP. J.J. Watt didn't win that, so excuse me. So, yeah. So the last two to, to make it to the – to not make it to the playoffs, Johnny Unitas and O.J. Simpson. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that tells you everything. Plus, with the quarterbacks uh, being favored a lot, that, that's what needs to happen for to really even kind of be considered. All right, so it's going to be interesting to see what the Steelers do on Thursday against the Minnesota Vikings. Game on NFL Network and also will be on the local Pittsburgh station as well. And that's all for us. For Chris Ward and Brandon Walker, I'm Ty Folk. Thank you for tuning in to the Renegade Blitz. We will be on a mini hiatus. We will have a recap of this game coming to you. Uh, we'll have the live uh, Twitter feed on Monday. We'll also talk about the playoff picture at that moment because it's going to be a very interesting week, as always, in the NFL. A ton of parity in this league, but we'll see if the Steelers – could potentially get one of those wild card playoff seeds when the dust all settles on Sunday and also Monday. So until then, stay tuned. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, at our Blitz pod, and at Blitz videos. Read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. The Renegade Blitz podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you can listen to podcasts.